You can pray until you faint. But if you don't get up and try to do something, God is not going to put it in your lap. And it's no need of running and no need of saying, Honey, I'm not going to get in the mess. Power Talks. I'm Dr. Matsumela Odom. And my name is Dexter Mlemwingu. Uhuru means freedom in Swahili, and freedom is on our mind 24-7. Today on Black Power Talks, we uplift the importance of May 19th to the anti-colonial struggle for liberation. Malcolm X was born on May 19, 1925 in Omaha, Nebraska. During the African Revolution of the 1960s, Malcolm's birthday was an important day of political organization. As noted on another episode of Black Power Talks, the last poets were formed on May 19th in 1968 for that same reason. Just six days before African Liberation Day, May 25th, Malcolm's birthday was an important kickoff to a week-long mobilization for African independence. As African internationalists, we uphold the legacy of Malcolm X. In 1977, Chairman Omalia Shetela gave the historic speech on Malcolm X entitled, Long live Malcolm X, revolutionary martyr and true African internationalist. In this speech, Chairman stated, Malcolm X was an African internationalist who realized that the particular problems of African people oppressed in different parts of the world are connected, and the solution for all our problems is dependent on international African unity and cooperation against a common enemy who stands between us, freedom, and a united and socialist Africa. Chairman continued, To embrace the ideas of Malcolm X is to embrace the ideas of African internationalism, and the ideas of African internationalism are opposite and contradictory to the ideals of Americanism. The ideas of African internationalism promote freedom from oppression and injustice. These ideas promote freedom and independence. May 19th is also the birthday of Ho Chi Minh and Yuri Kochiyama. Ho Chi Minh was born May 19th, 1890 in Vietnam. Yuri Kochiyama was born May 19, 1921, in San Pedro, California, the home of my parents. For most historians and writers, these shared birthdays between Malcolm, Ho, and Yuri have generally been promoted as historical examples of, quote, Afro-Asian solidarity, unquote. This is an extremely important conversation to have because it chips away at the colonial mechanisms that are put in place to divide African and Asian people. Still, these birthdays are much more than that. 
May 19th represents the anti-colonial struggle for liberation of African and colonized people around the world. This is a fight to overturn the brutal assault on Africa, Asia, and the Americas that produced the colonial mode of production, which has enabled the white world to live at the expense of colonized people for 600 years. On May 15, 2022, Massimo joined Chairman Amali Chatella in a discussion of the significance of May 19th on an episode of Amali Taught Me entitled, Remember May 19th, Upholding Malcolm X and Ho Chi Minh. In part one of this episode, we present an excerpt of Matsumilla's presentation on the links between Malcolm X, Ho Chi Minh, and Yuri Kochiyama. Underscoring the common link of Marcus Garvey, Matsumilla shows how the anti-colonial politics of Garvey, Malcolm, Ho, and Yuri point the way towards African internationalism and the leadership of Chairman Amali Chatella in the struggle. Let's take a listen. I would like to begin by saluting Chairman Amali Chatella, leader of the African Revolution. This image here is an important starting point for our discussion today. The 2019 photograph depicts Chairman O'Malley Chatella in his visit to Oxford, England, pointing at Malcolm X's photo during Malcolm's visit uh, to the Oxford Union Debate Society 55 years earlier in 1964. Malcolm's presentation at the Oxford Union underscores an earlier period of African anti-colonial struggle that Chairman O'Malley Chatella has dubbed the African Revolution of the 1960s. Chairman's 2019 presentation represents a similar attempt of the colonial superstructure to make sense of the current moment of anti-colonial struggle. Chairman O'Malley has noted that the 1960s was in fact a dress rehearsal and what we are now experiencing is the real deal, the final offensive. As noted elsewhere, Chairman O'Malley's invitation to the Africa debate highlights that there can be no discussion around the unity and or future of Africa and African people without the African internationalist worldview being considered a legitimate worldview. Malcolm X's leadership represented a resurgence of the anti-colonial tendency of the African liberation movement, a revival of the anti-colonial project of Marcus Garvey. In the 1910s and 1920s, Marcus Garvey created and led the largest revolutionary organization of African workers in history. The Universal Negro Improvement Association had over 11 million members in Africa, Europe, the Caribbean, Latin America, the United States, and elsewhere. Garvey forwarded the slogan, Africa for the Africans, those at home and abroad. I also think that it's important to note that Marcus Garvey's UNIA, when it held its uh, convention of African peoples around the world, it was also an anti-colonial moment that showed solidarity with other anti-colonial struggles taking place around the world, including uh, that one, uh, the one taking place in Ireland. So the Garvey movement was an anti-colonial and revolutionary movement. While the Garvey movement struggled to overturn the colonial mode of production and launched a direct attack against ideological imperialists and the liberal left who struggled for a better position on the pedestal of African oppression, Garvey and the UNIA also expressed unity with the liberation of workers in Ireland, Russia, and Asia. Garvey's movement was defeated through U.S. counterinsurgency. Yet, as evidenced in this uh, talk today, we see his legacy in the work of Ho Chi Minh and Malcolm X. We can also see this legacy in the leadership of Chairman Amalia Chatella and the African People's Socialist Party, the African Socialist International, and the Uhuru Movement. 
The African fundamentalism of Garvey is reflected in the African internationalism of Chairman Myers Teller. We are the 21st century Garveyites. Marcus Garvey is the chain that directly links Malcolm X and Ho Chi Minh despite being 35 years apart in age. Ho Chi Minh was born May 19, 1890 in Vietnam, then called French Indochina by colonizers. Malcolm was born May 19, 1925 in Omaha, Nebraska. Both men spent formidable parts of their youth as laborers in Boston, Massachusetts, and in fact worked at the same place, the Parker House Hotel. Ho Chi Minh spent time in New York City as a worker. It was there that he attended public rallies held by Marcus Garvey and the UIA. Malcolm, of course, also moved to New York City. His parents, Earl and Louise, initially met as UNI organizers in Canada. His father was born in the U.S. South and his mother was born in the West Indies. Now, Ho Chi Minh was attracted to the anti-colonial project of Marcus Garvey. Garvey was an important source of Ho Chi Minh's anti-colonial and internationalist worldview. Ho Chi Minh was, in fact, born Win Sin Kung. But in 1917, he adopted the Nam de Gur, Win I Kwok, or Win the Patriot. Ho Chi Minh clearly outlined the shared colonial oppression of African and Asian people. Ho Chi Minh was a writer and a political cartoonist. Ho Chi Minh used his art to depict the colonial depression of African and Asian people. Ho Chi Minh would write to the colonizer, the life of an African or an Asian is nothing. Ho Chi Minh famously raised the question to French communists in Paris, where he was the founder of the Paris Communist Party. If you do not condemn colonialism, if you're not side with the colonial people, what kind of revolution are you waging? Ho Chi Minh understood the colonial contradiction and the question of national liberation beyond the borders that the colonial mode of production placed on African, Asian, and other colonized people. The advancements that had been made to push forward the colonial question as a part of the Comintern, the International Communist Party at that time, uh, in the 1920s had been the result of people like Ho Chi Minh, as well as uh, the Indian Amin Roy and others. As a seaman, Ho Chi Minh had traveled the colonial world. He had lived in Senegal and even the U.S. South. Ho Chi Minh's writings placed the genocidal assault waged against African people in the Congo alongside the lynchings in North America. Ho Chi Minh opened his 1924 article on lynchings by stating, it is well known that the Black race is the most oppressed and the most exploited of the human family. It is well known that the spread of capitalism and the discovery of the new world had as an immediate result the rebirth of slavery. What everyone does not perhaps know is that after 65 years of so-called emancipation, Black people in the U.S. still endure atrocious moral and material sufferings. In celebration of the anti-colonial victory of Vietnam against the United States, we reprinted this article in the May 1975 edition of the Burner Spear newspaper. Ho Chi Minh could clearly see African and Asian anti-colonial victory in sight. I believe that this is the significance of his chronicling of the success of Louis Mubarak Fall, also known as the Battling Siki. In 1922, Siki, born in Senegal, had defeated the Frenchman Georges Carpentier for the World Light Heavyweight Championship. 
In response, Ho Chi Minh wrote in the newspaper, ever since colonialism has existed, whites have been paid to bash in the faces of the blacks. For once, a black has been paid to do the same to a white. Just like many Africans of my generation, Malcolm X came of age in the wake of U.S. counterinsurgency to defeat African anti-colonial movement. This counterinsurgency claimed the life of his father, Earl, who was murdered by white nationalists. It also claimed the sanity of his mother, Louise. Africans had been driven out of political life, but the anti-colonial consciousness persisted inside young Malcolm. When called in front of the draft board uh, during World War II, Malcolm told the army clerk that he had wanted to join the army so that he could go down south, get weapons, and organize Africans against white nationalists. Of course, they denied his entry. In opposition to the Korean War in 1950, he wrote a letter directly to President Truman, the U.S. President, uh, Harry Truman at that time, and stated, I have always been a communist. I've tried to enlist in the Japanese Army last war. Now they will never draft or accept me in the U.S. Army. Just as Ho Chi Minh had learned from the anti-colonial, uh, African anti-colonial struggle, Africans learned from Asian anti-colonialism. In the 1963 message to the grassroots, Malcolm X noted the inspiration he had taken from the Chinese Revolution while he was incarcerated. Raising the colonial question, Malcolm noted that in the Chinese struggle against the British imperialism and Chinese neocolonialism, in the Chinese Revolution, he stated, they wanted land. They threw the British out along with Uncle Tom Chinese. In the 1964 Battle of the Bullet speech, Malcolm saluted the anti-colonial victories in Korea and Vietnam. Up in French Indochina, those little peasants, rice growers, took on the might of the French army and ran all the Frenchmen. You remember Dinh Bin Phu. The same thing happened in Algeria and Africa. Now, following the Second Imperialist World War, the colonial power struggled over the redivision of the world as they had done following the First Imperialist World War. This is the impetus behind the creation of United Nations and NATO. Colonized people organized in their own self-interest as well. This underscores the importance of the Bandun Conference of, which, of, of 1955, of which Malcolm also drew inspiration. At Bandun, Malcolm says, they began to recognize who their enemy was. The same man that was colonizing our people in Kenya was colonized our people in the Congo. The same one in the Congo was colonized our people in South Africa and in Southern Rhodesia and in Burma and in India and Afghanistan and in Pakistan. The point that Malcolm was making by citing Bandung and Dien Bien Phu was that Africans in the U.S. were not part of some American minority. We were part of a global majority. Our struggle for liberation was for anti-colonial independence, not a battle to make white people like us. This is the importance of the dialectic of the house slave versus the field slave, of which Malcolm had uh, called upon in that speech. Malcolm made at least four trips to the continent of Africa. His first was actually in 1959. In 1960, Malcolm met with Che, Castro, Nkrumah, and others in Harlem. He studied Lumumba. He defended Lumumba. Lumumba is the greatest Black man who ever walked the continent of Africa, Malcolm said. 
As Secretary General of the African Socialist International, Louise Kinshasa notes, Malcolm, like Lumumba, wanted to make the Congo the center of the International African Revolution. Many sources state that Malcolm indeed had wanted to, in fact, raise an army of Africans from the U.S. to go into Congo and fight against colonial and neo-colonial forces there. In his speeches, Malcolm raised the revolutionary anti-colonial example of the Kenya Land and Freedom Army, the Mau Mau. In Kenya, the Mau Mau were, were revolutionary. They were the ones who brought the word Uhuru to the fore. The Mau Mau, they were revolutionary. They believed in scorched earth. They knocked everything aside that got in their way. And their revolution was based on land, a desire for land. In late 1964, Mal uh, uh, Malcolm returned to the Mau Mau as an example for African organization in the U.S. In Mississippi, we need a Mau Mau. In Alabama, we need a Mau Mau. In Georgia, we need a Mau Mau. Right here in Harlem, in New York City, we need a Mau Mau. I say this with no anger. I say it with very careful forethought. Just weeks after making this speech, Malcolm was murdered by the U.S. counterinsurgency war. Anti-colonial revolutionary and Asian member of Malcolm's organization of Afro-American unity, Yuri Kochiyama, also shares the same birthday as Malcolm and Ho Chi Minh. Yuri was a friend of the party, the African People's Socialist Party, and Chairman Omalia Shetela. She held Malcolm's head after he was shot. Just days after Malcolm was assassinated, Malcolm was supposed to share the stage with Che Guevara at an Afro-Asian economic summit organized by Ahmed Bin Bella in Algeria. However, a conference known as the Second Bandung was supposed to also take place in Algeria in late 1965. It did not occur because Bimbella was overthrown by a military coup months earlier. This task of anti-colonial unity was taken up by Cuba in January 1966 in the Tricontinental Conference attended by 500 delegates from over 80 countries in accordance with Cuba's seventh independence. One of those delegates, Amakar Cabral of Guinea-Bissau, called on delegates to return home and repeat this anti-colonial victory that had taken place in Cuba in their countries. As the African Revolution of the 1960s accelerated in the U.S., so did U.S. counterinsurgency. Assassinations, imprisonment, and other activities aimed to derail anti-colonial revolution uh, uh, accelerated. Chairman Omalia Shetela defended the colonial question, even as others abandoned it. Chairman's 1975 pamphlet, The Major Pro uh, Colonialism, the Major Problem Confronting Africans in the U.S., became regular political education for the African liberation movement, and it rescued African self-determination. A direct line can be drawn from the colonialism pamphlet to the revival of the anti-colonial analysis that we see in many places right now. By defining the U.S. government's attack as counterinsurgency, a war against colonized people to prevent revolution, it gave us the mass character that we needed to bring us to this moment that we are at right now. Now, May 19th. May 19th symbolizes anti-colonial revolution. This is why we remember it. It is an anti-colonial revolution that began with Marcus Garvey, was continued with Ho Chi Minh and Malcolm X, and will be completed under the leadership of Chairman Amalia Chatella. In a 2019 speech entitled, We Must Have 
and international African revolution. Chairman O'Malley Yesitella noted that after Vietnam had defeated the French and Dien Bien Phu, the U.S. launched its attack to push the Vietnamese back into colonial slavery. However, the Vietnamese used the liberated territory they had in the north of Vietnam to wage anti-colonial struggle in the south of Vietnam. To do this, they used what was called the Ho Chi Minh Trail. To that point, the chairman says, what we need, we need a Malcolm X Trail. We need a Marcus Garvey Trail. We need a Patrice Lumumba Trail that stretches across the globe so they cannot crush us in any single place. Because all the African people who are conscious and part of a revolutionary process can come to the defense of the African revolution. So let's build that trail. Uhuru. And that was our very own Masmela Odom on the significance of May 19th to anti-colonial struggle and African internationalism. You are listening to Black Power Talks, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. Today we are discussing Malcolm X and the importance of May 19th. As noted, I had the privilege of sharing the panel with Chairman O'Malley Ashitella. In his presentation, Chairman O'Malley Ashitella underscored the importance of remembering this anti-colonial history in relation to today's imperialist crisis. We initially recorded this less than 24 hours after the white nationalist assault that claimed the lives of 10 African people in Buffalo, New York. This assault against African people cannot be understood outside of the larger colonial mode of production that has assaulted African and other colonized people for 600 years. Chairman summarized May 19th in relation to other events, such as the Russia-Ukraine conflict. In his talk, Chairman saluted Marcus Garvey, Malcolm X, Ho Chi Minh, and Yuri Kochiyama, his friend and comrade. Let's take a listen. Uhuru, uh, thank you so much, Comrade uh, Director Akili. And I want to uh, express my appreciation to the introduction that's been provided to us along uh, with the PowerPoint, the slideshow by Comrade Massimello. And I want to reiterate a point that you've just made, that this discussion around May 19 is not just a matter of indulging in empty, uh, abstract kind of memorializing. Uh, it gives us an opportunity to speak about Malcolm X, uh, to speak about Ho Chi Minh, uh, to speak also about Comrade Yuri uh, Kochiyama. And to have this discussion in the context of what is happening in the world today and our condition as colonized people, as oppressed people, as colonized peoples all around the world. And in fact, to give us an opportunity to explore more uh, this understanding that we have been pushing forward in a very serious way, taking us beyond simply understanding colonialism as the policy of a particular kind of, of an imperialist power, but uh, as a mode of production. Uh, that has been thrust into existence for a long time, uh, but has not been recognized by um, most people, most theoreticians, and any of them. Uh, but that is fundamental to really understanding the world and how we have to move forward. We're looking at a situation uh, <clears throat> right now, and it's really interesting when just looking, uh, uh, reviewing the PowerPoint <clears throat> that Comrade Massimella just <clears throat> took us for. Uh, through and seeing uh, oppressed and colonized peoples around the world uh, engage uh, in struggle on different fronts at particular times against the colonial mode of production, against the 
conditions that uh, oppress and steal our resources around globally. And, uh, uh, and reviewing the fact that uh, there has been movement toward uh, trying to pull together all of the colonized peoples at different times and our allies. For example, the photo we show that was shown just a moment ago had uh, Joseph Tito from Yugoslavia, uh, who was also part of this non-aligned movement that Nkrumah and others played a, a really important role. NASA from uh, Egypt was there as well played a really important role of trying to bring the colonized peoples of the world uh, together, organizationally, politically, and what have you, to deal uh, with uh, colonialism uh, that feeds uh, all of the white people, all of the colonizers of the world. And the fact is that for a very long time, since the inception of what is known as capitalism, the white world has fed off the flesh of colonize people everywhere, that our oppression, our colonization, the theft of our resources, our labor is a condition uh, for what is in their refrigerators, for the streets that they have paved uh, in their cities. Uh, it is uh, part of the, so the, the basis of the freedom that they, uh, they seem to uh, experience in various places around the world. Even the definition of democracy that they share comes as a consequence of taking all those things from us, clean water, clean streets, food, uh, and, and freedom uh, for, for our people. So this is, this is a really important discussion that we have to have because we can't understand anything unless we understand the colonial mode of production, one. The other thing that's really clear is uh, that uh, this movement of the colonized people was actually moving forward in a very serious way to overturn the relationship we have with colonialism. And that uh, it has been an assault uh, on and, and death and destruction of individuals overturning governments in different places around the world uh, that contributed to the rise of a kind of uh, opportunism that's called uh, desegregation, uh, as, a, as, as, a, as a diversion away from uh, overturning colonialism uh, to desegregate, to find uh, some kind of independence that will allow us to live under neo-colonial domination. And, and this, of course, uh, sacrifices the long-term interests of oppressed and colonized people of, around the world for our freedom and, and, and speaks to the interests of, uh, of neo-colonial colonizers and and speaks to the interests of the uh, opportunist sector of the population. In fact, the opportunism is defined by the fact that they will accept uh, some solution short of overturning the relationship we have with colonialism. And just recently, uh, I was engaged in a serious discussion because part of, uh, of what we have to understand is that we are in this place in history, uh, we didn't drop uh, from uh, someplace out of space. Uh, we didn't simply pop up uh, and the world was not born like this. Uh, the fact is that we there's a history to a process that led to this situation that we're involved in today. And one of the most important things that uh, speaks to the situation we're involved in today is this question of Ukraine and Russia. And that has uh, caused some confusion for some people. And, that, and we can understand how masses of people might be confused around this question because there's no uh, medium that is being put forward today that does not uh, hail uh, the so-called heroic Zelensky, uh, who is the thug that was put in power in Ukraine by the United States government, CIA, 
and 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 the Ukrainians and the uh, uh, as compared to uh, this uh, uh, this uh, force, uh, the Russian uh, despots and and Putin, the Russian despot, and without even talking about the validity or the viability of Vladimir Putin or even the current uh, state of uh, Russia, uh, it is absolutely necessary for us to understand that the reason we are in this place today around Russia in particular is because the, all of the imperial powers more than 100 years together uh, ago uh, came together trying to crush the anti-colonial revolutions that was happening all around the world, including in the United States. You're talking about a, a, a world uh, war that happened that they call World War One. Uh, which is uh, uh, the first worldwide uh, uh, and a war to redivide the world. Uh, this war uh, is something uh, that happened uh, in the process of the colonizers to redivide the world among themselves. That's what it was for. Uh, who was going to get what parts of Africa? Who was going to control what parts of Asia uh, and the likes? Uh, and and uh, for the United States, of course, consolidating domination throughout the uh, the Americas. Uh, so. This is what that war was about. And, uh, and, and you have to understand this, otherwise you can, can become intoxicated, intoxicated and confused about this notion of the war to end all wars and somehow that this was a war to bring peace to the earth when the only disruptor of the peace were the colonizers themselves who were engaged in the war. And this war was to redivide the world uh, so that this sector of colonizers, this group of thugs that call themselves French, this group of thugs that call themselves Americans, this group of thugs that call themselves British would get what portion of the world that would satisfy their, their imperialist appetites compared to the ones that they were struggling against. And the basis of this war uh, was who was gonna get what of us. And unfortunately, we live in a world uh, where the colonial mode of production itself uh, provides the periscope through which everybody views the world. And the only central place in the world, the one that came to be a central location in the world, uh, came about as a consequence of the unification, unification of the whole world uh, through a, an economic process that stems from colonial slavery, starting with the attack on Africa uh, some 600 years ago and, and, and branching out and, and, and developing uh, various iterations of this uh, entire process throughout the world. This is what brought the world together into a single process, a single uh, colonial mode of production. We talk about a mode of production. We talk about a process that uh, where a society uh, is defined uh, uh, by how it acquires, how it achieves, what it needs to exist. And, and, and a mode of production also produces a mode of life. And so you have uh, this mode of production, mode of life, that has been created by the colonizer, by the slave owners, by the slave masters. That is the force that has mapped out the entire world geographically, mapped it out politically, mapped it out ideologically, mapped it out. And the world is supposed to view the world uh, from the lenses of the colonizers. And the colonizer is the only one that has a total worldview most of the time. Most of us are locked into these definitions that have been imposed on us by the colonizers. So we don't see the whole world in many instances. We see of what they might be called uh, Afro-Brazil. We see what might be called Haiti or Jamaica 
Uh, we see what might be called Ghana now, a new iteration of what might be called Congo. We see what might be called uh, 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 a new African or something to that effect. Our view has been has been narrowed. Our worldview has been 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 sharpened, been created, been manipulated uh, by the colonizer. And the fact of the matter is that you have a society. You're talking about a mode of production. How the whole society uh, uh, participates in creating and recreating life and producing what is necessary for that society to function. In the process of doing that, it, it creates a mode of life. And this mode of life uh, has locked all the colonizer and the colonized into a single process. Um, you can't have one without the other. You can't have colonized people without there being a colonizer. You cannot have a colonizer without there being somebody colonized. So you have this unity of opposites uh, within which the whole world functions, et cetera, and our worldview is, 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 is defined. And so this is one of the reasons it's really important for us to be able to talk about Malcolm X and to talk about Ho Chi Minh uh, and also to recognize in the process of doing so that it took the death of Malcolm, it took the death it took the struggle of the people in Vietnam against the same colonialism that Malcolm talked about. Uh, it took this war to raise, to resurrect uh, this whole notion, uh, to create the whole notion that our struggle was not about freedom. Our struggle was not about the reacquisition of our own land, our own territory, our own dignity, uh, et cetera. Our struggle was somehow to make ourselves amenable uh, to white power, to the colonizer to unite with the colonizer's definition of the world, even if it's a liberal definition, to unite with the colonizer's definition of the world. And the colonizer's definition of the world presupposes that colonialism is good. And even if it doesn't call itself colonialism anymore, because colonialism is the a foreign and alien domination of peoples. And that's what Europe has done. And so the, the colonizer's worldview whether it's the liberal colonizer, left colonizer, is that colonialism is good. And then what has to happen the, at best from their perspective is that the colonized people have to learn how to be like the colonized or the colonized uh, people have to uh, uh, work within this framework of making a better situation. And it doesn't require the overturning of the colonial mode of production, which is the only way that the people of Africa, African people, the people of Vietnam and the rest of the world will ever know freedom. Colonialism, the colonial mode of production has to be overturned and you cannot have any real freedom. You can't have the destruction of capitalism as they talk about it without destroying colonialism, which uh, the colonial mode of production, which is the foundation within, uh, upon which all capitalist activity occurs. So it's important to talk, to recognize that. So we're talking about these giants who led struggles uh, <clears throat> uh, not to, to make uh, white people like us, to make America like us or something to that effect. Uh, but as Malcolm X said for land, said that, that you serious about revolution, that people have made fought revolution, they wanted land. And uh, who challenged the whole notions, the opportunist notion by some people who we've come to like and love, they were opportunists even if we liked and loved them. They were opportunists even if they were honest opportunists, which is one of the things that, that makes them more dangerous because they are motivated by conviction. Uh, but the fact is that this opportunism, because it stops short, it, it prov prevent, provides us with the worldview uh, that comes short, that sacrifices the long-term interests of our people. And what is the long-term interest? 
is the total abolition, the total destruction of this foreign alien entity that sits atop our freedom, our, our hopes, our aspirations, our dreams, our ability to be free and to be prosperous on our own terms using our own resources. That's what has to happen. If you don't have that, you got nothing. And I don't care if you have people who call themselves leftists or something to that effect, that's the thing that, 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 does, that uh, we have to be struggling for. And even when we look at this issue of the, the, the Russia-Ukrainian question, it's important uh, that we understand this question within the context of the process that brought the world to this place. Not, not how, what brought uh, 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 Pittsburgh to this place, not what brought Houston, Texas to this place, uh, not simply what brought uh, Ukraine or Russia to this place, but the whole process that brought the world, the world to this place. And the thing is that the 1920s during the height of this, uh, this struggle, uh, this crisis of imperialism that resulted in the first imperialist world war, anti-colonial struggles were happening everywhere. And if they were not happening, they were on the cusp of occurring. They, there was a threat for them happening to the extent that it made it necessary for the US uh, and other imperial powers to engage in serious war uh, to uh, secure uh, the colonial mode of production. So Malcolm uh, and Kochi Men and Yuri Kochiyama uh, have to be understood within this context of engaging anti-colonial struggle, forwarding anti-colonial struggle on the one hand. On the other hand, when we look at what's happening here today, the first imperialist world war in 1914, this war happens. 1914, the Universal Negro Improvement Association is created under the leadership of Marcus Garvey in, in Jamaica, and it moves uh, to the United States. In 1917, incredible movement has begun uh, with the Garvey movement. 1917, uh, the success of the Russian Revolution. 1915, the United States government invades Haiti and occupies it for more 30 years or so, robs Haiti of all the resources it's got. We've got struggles that's happening throughout the Americas, uh, throughout Nicaragua and other places. Uh, we got struggles that's happening globally and inside the United States, incipient struggles or actual struggles are occurring that leads to Red Summer 1919, where white people went on a, a frenzy of murder and assassinating and killing black people uh, inside the United States. And there are various other iterations of the same kind of struggle. Uh, uh, and of course, the magnificent Garvey movement succeeded uh, by 1920, 21 to, of uh, organizing millions of African people globally on every continent of the world. Uh, the Russian Revolution uh, was uh, something that stood out because it, it was uh, 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 in Russia. It, it was stood out because it was close to Europe. Uh, uh, Eurasia is what, what might be a better definition of it. A uh, huge landmass that occupies parts of Russia parts of Europe, parts of, uh, of Asia, as it's defined. The, the whole notion of the European continent is, is specious anyway. Uh, so this is what, what, what happens. In the Russian Revolution, the Garvey movement was crushed, was defeated inside the United States. Many of us were defeated uh, around other places in the world, Nicaragua, other places around the world, but the, Garvey, but the Russian Revolution succeeded. And, the, and you must understand the Russian Revolution within that context. It was a part of the anti, it was a part of the anti-colonial movement. It was the struggle against colonialism that defined the world. It wasn't the so-called European-based workers' revolution. It was the, the, the struggle globally against colonialism that defined the world and the Russian revolution happened within that context. Uh, and I think that's absolutely necessary for us to understand. So 
We saw an invasion, all of the colonial powers uh, in the whole world, including Japan, uh, which was a colonial power in parts of Asia at that moment. All of them uh, 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 invaded Russia in 1918. And they worked since that time, since that invasion, the objective was to, was to crush Russia uh, because it, it played a role in upholding workers, working people. And of course, the critical the crisis, the critical mass of working people in the whole world were in the colonies. That's where the real production was happening. Like many of the Marxists like to talk about how the real struggle, the political and economic struggle uh, revolves at what they call the point of production. But the fact is, before things got to that point of production, they had to come from Africa. They had to come from Asia. They had to come from South America. This is where the resources came from that got to what they call the point of production. This is where the massive amount of labor was happening globally. And here you have this colonial mode of production that gives rise to capitalism. And this is the thing that startled and shook up the whole imperialist world that made it necessary for Europeans to get together and, 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 and move on Russia and to try to quarantine and destroy Russia since that time, even as they were killing and, and exercising, escalating uh, oppression, exploitation against colonized people everywhere. You are listening to Black Power Talks, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. Today, we are discussing Malcolm X and the importance of May 19th. Chairman continued his talk, underscoring the centrality of anti-colonial struggle against the colonial mode of production. As part of his analysis, Chairman O'Malley underscored the counterinsurgency regime's attack on Malcolm X's family and likened the attack against Malcolm's mother, Louise Little, to the assault against African women and African families by the foster care system today. As well, Chairman uplifted Yuri Kochiyama. Chairman notes that Yuri and her family were imprisoned in U.S. concentration camps. Alongside struggling for reparations to Japanese people, Yuri fought for reparations to African people as well. Let's listen some more. And so Ho Chi Minh really represented that. He, he, he fought against this opportunism in France. Uh, it was mentioned during the overview here that Ho Chi Minh uh, was a founding member of the French Communist Party. He, he tried to work with the Socialist Party, uh, but the Socialist Party, he felt, was soft around the question of colonialism. So what kind of revolution are you trying to make if you're not uniting with the, the colonial peoples of the world? Ho Chi Minh attended meetings by Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey was a critical anti-colonial force in the whole world. Some people try to narrow and understand who Garvey was by saying he had the greatest black movement, the black anti-movement uh, in the world. He had the greatest anti-imperialist, the largest in the world, the most influential in the world. Even agents of the FBI uh, would report, and you can read some of these reports that when people who were fighting around the world, they came and they reported to Garvey. Ho Chi Minh was, uh, came to Garvey meetings, uh, but uh, so did others. And you got to remember that the Garvey movement was happening at the height of anti-colonial struggles that were happening in Mexico, that were happening uh, 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 in, in, in Nicaragua uh, and other places around the world where people are fighting against colonialism. That's the way it happened. And so we have, we have uh, uh, Garvey, uh, Malcolm X's uh, father and mother, and we cannot overlook the, his incredible mother, Louise Little, uh, what's her name? And uh, who uh, was a secretary of the, uh, the UNIA, who wrote for the newspaper, uh, who was multilingual. I mean, we know about how Malcolm 
you know, uh, uh, enhance his own education, like while in prison, et cetera. But Louise Little had laid the foundation for that with what she taught uh, them until they stuck her, uh, they, they, they used this whole welfare system against the, 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 the family. They took her children from her, stuck them in foster homes. They stuck her in an insane asylum and whatever. This is typical. I just participated in a march, a mother's, black mother's march, African mother's march uh, on the White House just last weekend, Mother's Day. And this Mother's Day march was based on the fact that they steal our children even today. They were doing it historically. That's how you and I got to be the different places that we are located in the world because the colonizers stole our children, stole us, renamed us, gave us other identities and what have you. That's what happened with Malcolm, uh, Malcolm X's mother. His father was a representative, a leader of the Universal Negro Improvement Association, Marcus Garvey's organization. Garvey was influential and he was everywhere in terms of the movement, uh, uh, including in Cuba including so many other places. The Garvey movement was something that seeded the entire planet uh, of anti-colonial notions and organizations. There were more organizations of Garvey branches uh, 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 than there were uh, organizations of the Communist International. That's just the truth. And that's because the power of the anti-colonial movement. And now we have come to understand that we were not simply looking at different policies, but a, a, a colonial mode of production. That's the thing that brought all of these forces together. That's the thing that brought the Bandung Conference together. That's the thing that brought the Tricontinental Conference together in 1966 in Cuba. That's the thing that had Che Guevara say he would leave Cuba and then go into Africa and try to initiate a, a, a continental-wide guerrilla war against colonialism. This is the thing that made them dangerous. It wasn't the workers in some factory in Chicago or in, in Manchester in England. It was the colonial peoples of the world fighting to overturn this relationship and that's the significance of Ho Chi Minh, who said there's nothing more precious than freedom and independence. And that statement is what informed the consciousness and framed the consciousness of the people of Vietnam. And you saw them create the most magnificent heroic uh, acts and struggles against the French colonialism first, and then they went up against US colonialism. And they said this shows that a small country can defeat a large country and they showed it with style and they showed it with determination. They showed it with the philosophical uh, understanding and acceptance of the mission that history had imposed on, on the colonized people to overturn this relationship we have with colonialism. So you had Ho Chi Minh, you had Marcus, you had Malcolm X, you had Marcus Garvey, both of them, Malcolm and Ho Chi Minh influenced by the Garvey movement, your struggle against colonialism and all of them African internationalists in some way or another. You saw, we showed what Garvey, what Ho Chi Minh had to say about what was happening to African people, the most oppressed people on the planet Earth, he said. And he understood this because he, he was in Africa, he was in Harlem, he was with the, uh, uh, the Universal Negro Improvement Association African community. And then we have this incredible woman, Yuri, uh, Yuri uh, Kochiyama, who was my dear friend and comrade and who, was a very significant force uh, in the anti-colonial struggle uh, in the United States, who worked uh, with Malcolm X, who was with Malcolm X when he was murdered, who uh, there are pictures of him, of her holding Malcolm's head in her lap after he has been, has been gunned down by our enemies, et cetera, who joined uh, the uh, African-American, the, the, the uh, organization African-American Unity under the leadership of Malcolm X, who joined the Republic of New Africa, who was a member of the Revolutionary Action Movement, 
under the, the, the leadership of people like uh, Comrade known as uh, Max Stanford and, and uh, 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 who uh, was an extraordinary force and contributed to the development of the African People's Party and what have you. Uh, these were these were all uh, African internationalists of some some iteration of African internationalism, all of whom uh, had the ability to struggle against colonialism. And Yuri did that, and and she was incredible. Her father, her parents had been uh, locked in concentration camps in the United States. Here's the United States now in, in killing Russians uh, uh, and killing Ukrainians in the name of fact, protecting the Ukrainians against the horrible Russians, the horrible brutish. Uh, uh, anti-democratic, autocratic Russians, here the United States uh, locked in 1940-something, uh, locked uh, uh, all these Japanese in concentration camps. And her, her, she was in a concentration camp as a child. Her parents were in concentration camps. And her father died as a consequence of being in that concentration camp. I'm talking about Yuri. So you see her having a short uh, life, her father. And you see um, uh, Malcolm's uh, mother, uh, and father having short lives and trauma, because that's what colonialism brings to you, brings to us. And you also, it's worth noting that uh, Yuri Kochiyama was given the name Mary something when she was born. And, and, and Malcolm, of course, was Malcolm Middle uh, when he was born. And uh, Ho Chi Minh had another name when he was born. But part of the whole struggle of, uh, of, of redefining ourselves subsequent to colonialism is the fact that all of them became renamed as human beings too. That's part of the whole process of anti-colonial uh, development that occurred uh, uh, everywhere. So uh, I just want to say that I think this is really important kind of discussion <laughs> and that we must remember Malcolm X and we must remember Ho Chi Minh. We must remember Yuri Kochiyama, who was Japanese, uh, uh, and, but who connected to the anti-colonial struggle, who who after participating in getting reparations for Japanese, for them being locked in these concentration camps, uh, dedicated much of her life toward the reparations for African people, who participated, by the way, in rallies and meetings that we had on a regular basis when she was uh, there uh, in, in uh, Berkeley, California, where I think she may have, have passed, uh, but who came to our rallies and participated in our meetings there, who I met in Mississippi many, many, many years ago, uh, uh, and by the way, uh, who, to whom I was, uh, by whom uh, I was introduced, I was introduced to her by uh, members of the revolutionary, who had been revolutionary action movement, who had been African People's Party. And this says something about the, the relationship that she had with the struggle against colonialism and in solidarity with the struggle of African people uh, to win our freedom and our independence. I'm an African internationalist. The African People's Socialist Party is an African internationalist organization. The crisis of imperialism is deep and profound right now, perhaps more than it has been in my lifetime and, uh, and, and in your lifetime. And uh, the fact is that it's not good enough for us simply to have discussions and, and memorializing people who played historic roles and important roles in our struggle, uh, that we have to assume responsibility to taking our freedom. There is not going to be any freedom under U.S. imperialism under the colonial mode of production. Even as the U.S. Uh, is, again, uh, redefining itself and redefining its world as the great emancipator of the planet, as redefining itself as uh, the, the, the center uh, of the, uh, the uh, democratic universe and, the, and defining uh, other countries who are uh, fighting against this colonial domination as autocratic, autocrats and things like that. We have to find 
we have to build our organization you know, capacity. The African People Sources Party is on a mission. Our mission is to govern, become self-government. We are, we are located in various places around the world. We are working with oppressed and colonized people all around the world. Somebody said they couldn't, they couldn't unite with our position around uh, uh, the, the, the Russia-Ukraine question, uh, despite the fact that every colonial power in the world continues to fight against Russia, just as they did in 1918, shortly after the Russian Revolution. They said because in the communities they live in, the Russians own stores and they treat people badly and that they see Russian gangsters in the United States and et cetera, et cetera, nothing positive about them. And they say things like the Russia of today is not uh, the Soviet Union of yesterday, et cetera. That ain't got nothing to do with it. <laughs> the, the Soviet Union was never exactly what I thought it should have been. I criticized the Soviet Union when it existed. I criticized what I thought was its opportunism. I criticized what I thought was its ability uh, to sacrifice the interests of colonizing oppressed people around the world who were supposed to be, uh, who were supposed to be uh, uh, a part of even of a, of a international communist movement uh, for Russian uh, uh, foreign policy interests and objectives, for Soviet foreign policy interests and objectives. But there was never any doubt in my mind uh, that, that the U.S., that the Western imperial powers, that the colonizers were the enemy, was the primary enemy. And so it's just like uh, inside our party, we engage in criticism and self-criticism. If you do something wrong, even if we are all on the same trajectory toward freedom, I will criticize you and you should criticize me. Uh, and the same thing is true with how we have always dealt with the question of Russia, even when it was Soviet Russia. But having said that, we understand that the world is bigger than the particular location that we are stationed in that there's a political and economic configuration of the world that has history, that came into existence a certain way, and it came into existence through colonial slavery. And it's this relationship, this mode of production that must be overturned, and that Russia offers at this moment in history, just as it has for more than 100 years, Russia offers a stumbling block. It is a bone in the throat. And this today is Russia. It's also China that's not being spoken of so much because they're trying to pick their battles and just be able to fight Russia and destroy Russia using all the resources that they can to destroy, to, to, to destroy cripple Russia, uh, and then uh, leave that and then attack China uh, in a much uh, more vehement, and, vehement and, and concentrated fashion. But the fact is they're trying to protect the same social system. So we support Russia in this, in this question. Yes, we are on the side of Russia. It ain't because we some kind of Russia uh, files or, uh, or et cetera. It's because we recognize that our interest lies in destroying the colonial mode of production and that Russia offers a, con a contradiction for the colonizers and the colonial mode of production. So we say we surround China. I don't like what China is doing in Africa. I think that we have a huge struggle that we have to make. And how do we deal with how, how China is acting in Africa? We don't organize uh, demonstrations against Chinese restaurants like I've seen done by some so-called black liberation organization in the United States. We build the African People's Socialist Party. We win more people into our organization, into our ideological and political influence so they can understand the world uh, from an African internationalist perspective and recognize that we have to destroy the colonial mode of production. And the only way that can be done is through revolutionary organization and committed men and women who are engaged in this struggle to destroy the system, uniting with every force that we can unite with around the, around the planet that has the same objective interest, even if they don't understand it themselves, but they have the same objective interest in making that happen. Uhuru. Remember Malcolm, remember Ho Chi Minh, 
Remember Yuri Kochiyama and all of the other forces of the world fighting against the coin mode of production. Uhuru, build the African People's Socialist Party. That was Chairman Omalia Shatella on the significance of May 19th, exerted from the May 15th Omali Taught Me episode entitled Remembering May 19th, Upholding Malcolm X and Ho Chi Minh. You can view the full episode on the Burning Spear TV YouTube channel. You have been listening to Black Power Talks, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. Today, we discuss Malcolm X and the importance of May 19th. Our theme song, Get Up and Do Something, was written and performed by Elika Ngoma. Thanks to the Black Power Talks production, research, and promotions team, including Jaja Robinson, Empress Livewire, and Ahipsa Panda. Uhuru. You can pray until you faint, but if you don't get up and try to do something, God is not going to put it in your lap. And it's no need of running and no need of saying, honey, I'm not going to get in the mess. Give and go, my son. Give and go, my son.